So if you're going to mitigate risk and you haven't made any losses, that business case is probably not that easy to make. Welcome to the Asian Banking and Finance Podcast, where industry leaders discuss emerging trends in business models, their upcoming projects, and how the banking industry is evolving. And now here's your host, Paul Howell. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this first episode of the Corporate Actions Delivering Operational Control in the New Normal. This is a podcast brought to you by Asian Banking and Finance Magazine in partnership with SmartStream. My name is Paul Howell. I'm the Managing Editor of Asian Banking and Finance. And in this podcast, we are looking to discuss some of the biggest challenges when processing corporate actions, the best practices for corporate action exemption management and workflow, and also newly enforced working patterns and how these have added to existing challenges while processing corporate actions. And joining me today are two of the distinguished leaders from the team at SmartStream. Firstly, we have Neil Shepard, who is the Global Head of Business Development for the Corporate Actions Division. Neil, thanks very much for joining us. And please tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Appreciate the uh, uh, the introduction. Uh, yeah, my is Neil Shepard. I am responsible for the the global uh, business asset servicing for uh, for SmartStream. Uh, for my sins, I've been involved in the corporate space for the best part of thirty years, uh, both from uh, the receiving side, i.e., selecting uh, automated solutions and processing, uh, and then from two thousand five, uh, selling into the industry uh, globally. So, yeah, pleased to be here today to talk through. Uh, how we see the current landscape and uh, the challenges that we're all facing with uh, with corporate actions. Thanks very much, Neil. And also joining us today is Alan Jones, who's the Business Solutions Director for Asia Pacific with SmartStream. Alan, thanks very much for being here. And why don't you share a little bit about yourself as well? Yeah, hi, Paul. Thanks very much for the introduction. Um, hello, everybody. Um, yes, Alan Jones. Um, I've been with SmartStream for many years now. Um, previously worked in the industry uh, for many different financial institutions, um, predominantly in the asset servicing um, area, uh, working up from trade settlements, corporate actions, tax, data, all of those um, good um, areas in, in the asset servicing space um, before bringing my business knowledge into SmartStream. Um, as a consultant working with um, on the delivery of the corporate action solution before moving into business development. And then spent many years in the product management role, um, had the wonderful opportunity to redesign, redevelop um, the corp- corporate action solution offering we have here at SmartStream um, and taking that into the market. Um, so have seen lots of different um, challenges and experiences during my time delivering and working with different financial institutions to automate um, their corporate action event lifecycle. So looking forward to an open uh, conversation on that very subject today. Thanks very much, Alan. And yes, let's get straight into it. Um, I want to start by asking, what are some of the changes that you uh, and Neil have seen in operations control, both before and after the pandemic? And are there sort of trends that we're now seeing in this part of the world? Okay, I'll dive into that one if that's okay, Neil. Um, with regards to um, some of the uh, challenges um, that were already in existence within the corporations domain um, are traditionally that the, the volumes are very, very kind of um, seasonal. They can be unpredictable in terms of the, the amount of events that are going to be announced in the, into the market, the complexity of the events. 
Um, we're always looking to mitigate risk when processing corporate actions due to the fact that they are high risk um, elements to missing events, missing dates, uh, which can lead to massive financial and, of course, reputational penalties um, within your organization. Uh, many of the organizations um, today um, look for a reduced tolerance on errors, uh, financial exposure. Uh, they're much more risk adverse in terms of um, exposing um, any capital adequacy requirements due to the fact that they're making losses processing corporate actions. So prior to the pandemic, I think we already had the perfect storm. We already had a very challenging environment. Um, many organizations have looked to address that by adding automation, adding a control framework around their corporate action operations. Um, but there's still a lot of organizations out there that are still fighting um, that, that kind of painful battle um, in paper sources of information in non-digitized um, event notifications um, that, that lead to a very, very human intensive, paper intensive, high touch point um, process to manage, which is fraught with risk. Um, it's a date driven process and there's lots and lots of complex information that needs to be understood um, as you work through the process. Um, so it was always already a very challenging situation. I think the, the pandemic and the new working patterns um, we've had to move into, um, most people working from home, um, have just really exacerbated the challenges uh, for any organizations that hadn't fully digitized their corporate action data sources and automated the flow of that information throughout their organizations. Um, we have many clients that utilize our solution both on-premise and more so in a hosted um, cloud-based SaaS model um, today um, that really didn't see too much challenge because um, they were just uh, working from a different space connecting to the corporate action solution um, that was providing that digitized um, automated form of information so they could keep up to date, have that complete transparency across the event lifecycle. It was really those organizations that still had kind of um, broken or not fully automated um, um, processes against corporate actions. Um, if, you if you're managing paper and you have to start working from home now, how can you manage that paper trail? Um, how can you contact um, and pass the information throughout the different team members if they're all working um, remotely? Um, I had a conversation with a, a gentleman recently who um, one of the biggest challenges um, initially they had when they everybody had to start working from home was um, with regards to not having direct access to um, a Bloomberg terminal or a terminal that would normally be in the office um, to go and investigate certain corporate actions data or events that have been announced into the market. Um, so I think we already had a pretty difficult and challenging situation. Um, and the new working patterns and the, the, the pandemic just um, really um, made that a whole time a whole lot tougher for many different organizations. I don't know if Neil, you've got anything you wanted to add to that. Yeah, just to add, I mean, uh, you've covered most of it, but you know, what we've seen coming out pandemic is, is that exactly that you need the control, you need the audit, and you can't just nip across the, you know, the office to see so-and-so and, uh, and plug that gap in process. So it's really underlined the need for automation, uh, the, the, the ability to, to manage that process you know, remotely, whether that's via reporting, uh, but also what we've seen where you know, a lot of institutions have a process, it may be partially automated, it may be partially um, uh, held together with their own proprietary 
uh, solutions, um, but the need to um, outsource and, and you know, give that responsibility to somebody else. So um, if you've got a hosted solution, you know you're going to have 24-7 uptime. Um, and that's also been underlined. And of course, you know, the, the corporate actions, volumes and complexity continues to grow. So it's not going away. And, and as we all know, when there are downturns, uh, these very clever investment bankers get very creative with different corporate action types. And, you know, you can see 20, 30 different options on a, on a voluntary. So again, getting that information collected and controlled and having that remote access and ability to, to manage remotely uh, has been underlined even further. So that, that plays nicely into where we're going as a, a product and company. Gentlemen, is it fair to say that the pandemic has not necessarily been a whole new challenge for you, but has just exacerbated some of those existing problems that were already there with that need, with, with clients needing effective automation? Yeah, I think that's a good, that's a good point. So clients, uh, the underlying clients, demand the service. They don't expect anything to change. And of course, when you're talking about corporate actions, it's high risk. You know, missed a missed corporate action uh, could be you know millions of dollars that high, and, and as Alan said, it's also reputational. So yes, I think it absolutely has. You know, even the fact of working remotely has challenged some companies. Um, some of the larger institutions had that that policy in place already, so you'd like to think they're up and running with disaster recovery and what have you. Uh, but maybe some of the tier twos and below. Uh, hadn't quite got that culture together. So that was a challenge in itself. So it really has. So if you imagine you're moving your process uh, uh, to to a home uh, or or different site, it really did highlight the gaps. And that's where the automation control and the governance comes into play. And of course, that's what we offer anyway. And why have so many firms still not really done that or or started or fully done, uh, fully automated their corporate actions processing? Yeah, my um, it's a good question. So one, the process kind of works. So um, it's held together with people and you know maybe duct tape in certain places and, and you know odds odds uh, 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 parts of systems. So it, it's it's a question that it is complex. Um, it's not an obvious immediate return on investment. So if you're going to mitigate risk and you haven't made any losses, that business case is probably not that easy to make. So I think it's a question historically. It's been a specialised part of uh, operations, the back office, if you want to call it that, uh, where it's kind of worked uh, just about. But of course, with the increased uh, activity, the volume and complexity, um, and where governance is, is, is increasing, there's a much bigger need for, for transparency, uh, transparency and uh, reporting. So you can't do that by, by the manual process. Alan? Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd second that um, wholeheartedly with regards to um the governance the the oversight how can you manage a process if you're not truly measuring the detail that's flowing through your organization um and in those manual or partially automated environments um it's it's really really difficult to see exactly what's going on um it's it's like the the duck sitting on the water with the legs paddling furiously underneath the water there are many professionals in the corporate action space that um, work very very long hours they're very um very experienced um, and the loss of those those really, really experienced resources can cause organizations um, a real challenge. Um, If you don't have that that full process automated, where are those procedural guidelines? Where where is that knowledge? It's it's often in just people's heads. Um, Transformation projects are difficult. um, They need drive, they need investments. So um, 
you to to get a financial institution to actually look to invest um, into an area, they need to see those um, the business case that's been built, um, which is ob- not always obvious in the corporation space. Um, many organisations um, will wait till they make a loss before um, making an investment. Um, I've, I've seen many many instances of. Um, firms not wanting to automate because they're, they're not making any losses. They're happy with the, the band-aid solutions they have in place. Um, but again, we've seen just as many come to us and their business case is built purely on the fact that they've had a loss. Senior management, compliance, risk have dictated that they need a tighter controlled process around the corporation management, um, which leads them to automating um, and putting a solution in place that will give them that true governance, that oversight and that transparency to the full event life cycle, um, which if we take a step back is, is very complex. It's not just about receiving event data, which can be a very simple um, list of attributes in a cash dividend, a bonus issue or a mandatory event, or can be a very complex set of data, including lots of narrative terms, conditions, legal um, um, information. Um, so it, it, there's lots of different shapes and sizes of corporations that need to be managed. Um, if you look at just collating that data and having that event data management framework in place, that's a big challenge in its own right. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Then, then you move on to the different um, elements of the event lifecycle in terms of how do you distribute that information? How do you qualify the information as correct? How do you distribute that information to your clients to ensure that you're meeting your service level agreements? Um, to ensure that your clients are getting timely, correct uh, information to base their um, election decisions or investment um, decisions on. Um, You then need to manage eligible positions, position reconciliations, um, trade reconciliations, um, any trading activity against those critical dates, the X dates, the record dates, um, the response deadline dates, um, locking in positions, managing the elections, both from clients, passing those up to custodians, and finally coming down to calculation of entitlements, tax, fees, um, any sort of um, regional or country-specific elements that need to be brought into the play as well. Um, So it's a big, complex area, and that's just the core corporate action. You've got lots of ancillary um, processes that um, bounce off it in terms of claims, in terms of tax reclamation, um, et cetera, et cetera. So it is a big, big complex area. And unless you have that, as Neil mentioned, governance and complete transparency over the process, there's no way that you can manage it because there's no way you can measure it um, because it's um, just spread across too, too, too many different systems. We have a lot of organizations that come to us and say, yeah, we've, we've, got, um, auto- we've automated our corporation processing. That means basically they're managing the data manually they're managing positions and elections manage, uh, manually, even the communications. But what they do have, they have an accounting platform that once they manually type the corporation data into, it automatically calculates the entitlements and the tax. But how is that automation? That might be automation of the very, very last part. Mm. But what about <laughs> that, 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 that workflow and that life cycle leading up to that? Yeah, just finish that point. So, you know, the, the barriers are people look at this and think it's too dangerous. Uh, you know, you've got to do integration. We've got all this work internally. Uh, but we've been there and done it so many times. 
So when you know our product's being designed with very much integration in mind, so we absolutely simplify that. You know, uh, there's nothing that we really can't integrate with, and that's a huge differential with the way our solution's being designed because it's either a platform or an umbrella. Corporations depends on where you look at it, um, but once we you know we kind of pacify that concern, uh, the integrations are key to a successful implementation. So that's been a barrier, but that's something that we do very well. So we're seeing success there where we are. Uh, convincing people that we have this covered. That's an excellent lead-in to my next question, which I wanted to ask, can you share some of the best practices for corporate actions, uh, exemption management and workflow in these automated systems? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll kick off and then uh, leave, leave some more detail to Alan. But the idea here is when, let's say, a client is, is manual or partially manual, uh, what we don't want to do is replicate that, necessarily replicate that manual um, uh, environment okay less automated so when we look at the the requirements we will process re-engineer okay so the best thing is to make sure that the workflow is manageable okay not only from a, an individual processing point of view but from an oversight point of view so you may have a manager governing uh, either part of the alphabet or, or a region so you need to make sure that the workflow uh, gives you the exceptions only so when you configure and have your rules you know exactly what to expect per market per event type Okay, so my my guide always is keep it as simple as you possibly can. Be very precise with the the data feeds that you want. Um, be very precise with if you want a four eyes control, even six eyes control throughout the system. So the best practice really is keep it simple. Uh, make sure you give yourself plenty of warning, which our system can do regarding key dates and key decision dates, uh, and and so on, and downstream stream processing. Um, that's absolutely key. But you know, we always aim for the 80-20 or 80% straight through processing. Uh, the 20% should be you know, review, analyze, and release. Um, and that's where we then, you know, with an automated solution, we, we actually give the client that 20%. You know, their, their, their SMEs can really focus on, on the real complex deals. And it may be you know, dealing with a trader or the underlying investor somewhere to talk them through some options. So that's, that's the general theme for me. Alan? Yeah, I, I just um, build on that. Um, absolutely. I think um, the first point you made there um, about change management, um, a, a decision by, by a financial institution to automate a process isn't just adding um, a, a automated process to their existing workflow. It's the opportunity to take a step, step back, look at what they're trying to achieve and reassess, implement change, implement an enhanced um, process to work, um, to, to meet their operational goals, to meet their client requirements at the end of the day, okay? So that's one of the key themes we always um, work with clients to uh, make sure they achieve the optimum processing um, environment to meet their requirements, meet, uh, manage their risk, um, but ultimately service their clients in the best way possible. Um, as I've said, oversight and transparency of the, um, the, the, the data is a big data set. So providing um, a sort of single repository where all that data is housed, you can build reports, you can build analytical style um, information to be generated to, to dashboard so you can see exactly where you are in those um, against all the, the events that are active um, and um, highlight any risks, any tasks, any challenges or any situations that need to be brought to the business user's attention to make sure that clients are um, advised in a timely manner. Um, so that kind of um, talks around 
building control checkpoints. Um, and Neil alluded to this as well. So um, the 80-20 rule. So if you've got most of your events, all the mandatory and the low-risk events flowing through, hopefully almost STP with very, very uh, minimal um, touch points, almost in an exception management framework. So you're only being presented with events that have a particular issue or exception identified against them. Um, you, you're built in those control checkpoints. So the more risky event types, the, the any events that have big positions held against them, for example, the system can, can highlight those event types and push those at the business user to say, hey, that there's a big risk against this event. Please take a look at it and then push it to the next stage of the event lifecycle. That might be a bit more automated processing. And then the next stage is another control checkpoint. So, um, with regards to the best practice in terms of um, managing corporate actions and the exception management process around um, um, processing corporate actions, it really is building in those control checkpoints, um, achieving as much automation as you can, which frees up those real expert or um, um, experienced users to focus their time on the high risk events to make sure you're completely mitigating the risk of missing events, missing deadlines, and any of those financial penalties that can be associated to that. So we just to, just to finish on that point, it, it's very important because you know people um, who deal with corporations are very detail orientated, and it's a very detailed process. So you know, back to if you've got a a, a nice uh, UI, you've got your dashboard. What you don't want to do is clog it up with with everything. So you actually miss the pertinent points. So our directive for for best practice: keep it as simple as you can. I.e., you know, don't have 120 queues or exceptions. You know, have the 20 if that suits your model, um, and then have the ability to drill down. So going with the flexibility of our dashboard, uh, it will present to you as as a manager or me as a user exactly what I need on that particular day or warning. Um, so we try and streamline that as, as, as you know as best we can. So you're not just bombarded with data because the danger is then, although it's an automated system, you could miss something. Okay. Absolutely. And just to ex expand on that a bit further as well. So um, systems, by the very nature, are only as good as the data that they're fed and the information they're fed. So um, there's a lot of work in the industry, or has been over the years, of course. Um, with the inception of ISO 15022 and now today um, the 20 ISO 20022 messaging standards. Um, they're messaging standards designed by the industry for the in uh, industry to automate the corporate action event lifecycle or the appropriate business plan, of course. Um, but um, without um, standardization, automation is very difficult, near on impossible. So the industry has taken a lot of time, effort to push these data standards into the market. They are very, very widely used, but not exclusively. There's still a lot of proprietary formatted event notification feeds um, that needs to be processed, um, different naming conventions on event types, on attributes, et cetera. Um, and manage that, managing that in a manual environment is very, very difficult, as you can imagine, and needs seasoned, experienced members of, of, of the team. Um, if you automate that process, those rules are built into the system. So that's done in an instance, that's done automatically for you. And again, it, um, it takes away all that heavy lifting, that, um, that considerable amount of time that you would be spending manually um, by presenting that information on screen, um, normalized, presented um, to the business users as soon as they log on to the system on a daily basis. 
So I think the point I'm trying to make there is there are industry standards which facilitate best practice um, corporation management. Alan, we, we spoke a little bit at the start about the the pandemic and the impact that that had had on both organizations like SmartStream and, the, and their client firms. I might get you to, you and Neil, to uh, talk a little bit more about those challenges and what they were and, and how each of those parties has really adapted to working with lockdowns and remote working and newly enforced uh, different working patterns for those organizations. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, well, I mean, so we, there's quite a bit of a research and sort of analysis that has been based on um, certainly the early um, days or months of the the pandemic and and kind of the the the, the different um, um, aspects of that. Obviously, everybody was working in a very very uncertain environment, in uncertain times of whether they're going to be working from home, whether they're going to get back to the office anytime soon. Uh, trying to work out how everybody. Because it's not like a, a standard um, disaster recovery um, situation. It was literally everybody going working from their own homes, not the DR sites, but their own homes. So everybody was remote. Everybody was um, fighting um, the, their challenges with their depending on the organisation being um, connected to the appropriate systems, to the appropriate data sets that they need to perform their task on a daily basis so that that was obviously very challenging in its own rights um then you have the um the, the event dates of the corporate actions that are being announced into the market the the different types of events that were being withheld um that lots of um organizations were withholding um or canceling even um their, their meeting events their dividends their subscriptions the different types of events in the market um it, there, there's been there was a study I was reading through the other day um, in Asia Pacific specifically um, was highly impacted by the fact that there are over 50 percent of the events extensions happened within the Asia Pacific markets. Um, we're, we're now working in a, in a situation and continue to be um, where um, people are still scattered working from home. Um, most most of the um, um, times you speak to your colleagues and different counterparts that you need to liaise with uh, will be on Zoom or Teams or um, via, via um, electronic communications rather than face-to-face, um, which adds, adds another challenge. You, you can't just walk down the corridor and speak to your um, asset manager or trader um, to, to get some information that you might be looking for to help um, process an event. Um, so there, there's lots of different elements in terms of the events that were being um held uh, or sorry held back in the market being delayed keeping your clients up to date with all of that changing information as as the whole world the the, the all, all of the firms that have had um, securities issued into the market were trying to make sense of their decisions whether they pay dividends whether they um, issue a rights issue whether they whether they continue uh, with the events they have planned whether they hold back um, as well as the challenging um, environment that the, the um, the corporate action professionals found themselves in in trying to obtain that information, keep their clients up to date, making sure that they're passing accurate and correct and timely information to their clients. And uh, Neil, if you had anything to add to that one, yeah, just just uh, just very quickly. In short, I think people in general think they have their corporate action process covered. Um, the pandemic's forced them to look at it as a you know a real end to end, and there are gaps. And when they see our solution, they're surprised at how much they don't have covered. 
Um, so they're pleasantly surprised how much we do in the background and that gives them the real time to work on exceptions only. So I think it's been a reset. It's been a forced review of their process. And of course, automation is the answer. And then with uh, just, just on the final point with the regulation uh, and the governance and, you know, even maybe going to uh, the whole area of lawsuits if, you know, corporate actions are missed or the elections are not optimised, you know, these clients need that audit and that control. So it really has focused the mind and made the, made, made, made the market in general look at their process, which is a good thing for us. Well, thank you very much, Neil, and also Alan. Um, it's been a really insightful session. We do have just a couple of minutes left where I might ask uh, each of you to give a little bit of a summary or a, um, or a final thought to our audience today. Alan, can I start with you? Yes. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah, enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. Final thoughts from me with regards to automating corporate actions, I think is a must for organizations in today's um, space. Too often do I speak to organizations that still have a daily battle with different data sources coming into their organizations or a lack of automated event notifications coming into their, their organization. And there's a real fear of missing events and the different issues that that kind of brings into them. There's a consistent theme uh, through many of the sort of the smaller organizations that we're, we're speaking to today um, in terms of just having um, a landing board or a, a sort of a, an event dashboard that will just simply present to them all of their the events they've received today. So that's, that's very, very easily achieved. Um, it, it de-risks missing events, it de-risks missing event deadline dates. So I think there is still a lot of work to be done within the financial services community in terms of corporate actions. Uh, a lot of organizations have made very, very good progress um, and have completely um, um, wrapped around a control process around the corporation process. Um, but I think there's still a lot of organizations out there, and I know firsthand um, that's true, um, that still have a lot of work to do. And the tools, the experts are there. So, um, yeah, feel free to reach out and have a conversation if you'd like to. Uh, Neil, I'll, I'll throw the floor to you for, for one last thought as well. Yeah, just just thank you. Uh, I too enjoyed this. Yeah, in summary, um, the technology is there to automate this process, albeit on premise, uh, on premise or hosted. You know, SaaS is extremely popular from a from a, a cost point of view. So I probably said this for the last ten years, but you know, the time is right to uh, to automate. But it is doable. Um, I think the overwhelming thing here is corporate actions are not going away. Uh, they're a great way for companies and investors to make money. Um, you've got to have that capture. And I think the fear would be if I was a business owner of one, you know, capture, I am I missing something? Secondly, am I, am I uh, creating my uh, entitlements correctly? And I, am I then notifying people correctly? And then am I taking elections incorrectly? All of that would, would, would keep me awake at night if I was a risk of control man, because if I did miss something, uh, not only have I let my, my underlying investor stroke client down, but maybe the regulators will be on my case. And they're saying, Neil, if you'd have done this, you would have earned the client this amount of money. Uh, you probably need to go and make them good. So I can see, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, depending on the way you look at it, uh, litigation kind of coming in. And I think people need to be covered and ready for that. And that leads also into my final thought or my big takeaway from all of this. And that's just that 
immense risk uh, that is involved with some of these corporate actions and, and the complexity around that and just for chances for very small, very human mistakes to land legal trouble, but also that financial trouble of the in the millions and tens of millions of dollars. Okay. So that's uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> certainly making, that's going to stay with me for a long time, I think. Um, it's reputational. And also if you're, if you're going for a new business, if you have a proven automated corporate action solution stroke service, that's very attractive to a potential new client. Exactly. And and lastly, look, if le- listeners are looking to learn more about SmartStream uh, and your advice, where can they reach you, uh, Neil and Alan? Yeah, my advice goes straight to our website. Everything's on the website. Uh, we're both on there, all our uh, literature and, and documentation's on there. So, uh, and obviously that activity is tracked. So that, that's my advice. That's the easiest way, straight to the website. Look under Corporate Actions, Asset Servicing, and uh, plenty of stuff will pop up. Yep, and there's a contact us as well via the website. So perfect, perfect place to uh, start looking. No problems. And that is uh, www.smartstream-stp.com, if I've got that correctly. But we should have a link uh, wherever you've clicked on this podcast. Yeah, thank you Uh, very much, Paul. (laughs) Perfect. And that's it from, from today's Asian Banking and Finance Podcast, together with SmartStream. Thank you very much, Alan. Thank you very much, Neil. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, but that's all from today. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Yeah, Paul. Thanks, Alan. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to your channel on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcast. For more information, check out asianbankingandfinance.net.